Welcome back to the Manly Saints Project. By me, Hugh Hunter. We live in a world that struggles to understand the virtues of manliness. Our culture doesn't provide young men, or any men for that matter, with a lot of positive male role models. When I became a Catholic, I wanted to show how the saints could be manly role models for us. My weekly exploration of manly saints became the Manly Saints Project. If you enjoy my work, please consider signing up and supporting me on Substack, or click the links in the show notes to buy me a beer. Now, let's meet this week's Manly Saint. Join me today to meet a saint who followed Socrates until he found his way to Christ. Name, Justin usually called Justin Martyr. Life, around 100 to 165 AD. Status, Saint. Feast, June 1st. As Christianity began to spread through the Roman Empire in the 2nd century, and as the Roman authorities were trying to figure out what to do about it, many Christians decided that the best thing would be to keep a low profile. Yes, of course, some Christians were being abused, but other Christians lived their lives without too much trouble, and maybe that was enough. One early Christian, however, disagreed, and so Justin the philosopher began to prepare his letter of complaint about the treatment of Christians. He sent it to the very top. To the emperor, Titus, Elias, Adrianus, Antoninus, Pius, Augustus, Caesar, and to his son, Verissimus, the philosopher, and to the sacred senate, with the whole people of the Romans, I, Justin, the son of Priscus and grandson of Bacchius, natives of Flavia, Neapolis, and Palestine, present this address and petition in behalf of those of all nations who are unjustly hated and wantonly abused, myself being one of them. Justin had spent his life making careful, reasoned arguments. He wasn't afraid of making them in front of a skeptical crowd. Now he was a Christian, and he was going to make his arguments for why the treatment of Christians was not right, and why it had to stop. Justin had been born in the East, in Flavia Neapolis, the modern Palestinian city of Nablus. His early interest was in philosophy. Justin was fascinated by the figure of Socrates, a man inspired to philosophy by the message of an oracle, and who followed where faith and reason led, even when it cost him his life. Justin's parents had the wealth to allow him to study, and so Justin began a course of studies that would lead him to encounter most of the major schools of philosophy of the Roman Empire. Justin had always been interested in using philosophy to try to understand the ultimate nature of the universe, what philosophers call metaphysics. At this time, philosophers operated within different schools. Justin began his studies as a Stoic. The Stoics are famous today for teaching resistance to pain and emotion, but they had a metaphysics as well. 
and as Justin learned the Stoic doctrine, he was let in on the big secret that philosophers had been carrying at least since the time of Socrates, centuries before. Philosophers might be pagans, but they could see that there had to be a single, supreme creator. And if there was such a supreme creator, it meant that the worldview of pagans was fundamentally flawed. Pagans imagined that the gods fought each other and jostled for influence. For now, they taught, Zeus, for the Greeks, or Jupiter, in his Roman form, was king of the gods, but he had usurped the place of his father, and his father before him had done the same. The philosophers realized that couldn't be right. The supreme being who started the universe must be unlimited. That meant that the supreme being was unlimited in strength. If any god, or even any coalition of gods, could threaten the supreme being, then there would be a limitation on his strength. So it was easy to see that the supreme being could have no equals. But with this philosophical insight came a melancholy truth. If the god Zeus could be lured by a pretty face, perhaps he could be swayed with a prayer. If the northerners were the children of Heimdall, no wonder those gods took an interest in their offspring. But the philosophers realized that the god they had described was further beyond human beings than we humans are beyond bacteria. Why on earth would he care about us? In the grand, tragic vision of the Stoics, the universe is ordered by the providence of this god. And yet the Stoics saw the supreme being as material and, like us, trapped in an eternal and fatalistic cycle. Justin ate up their theories. There was insight in Stoicism. Justin did not yet know it, but St. Paul had quoted the Stoic sages when trying to explain Christianity on the Areopagus. And yet, Justin found the theory unsatisfying, so he went in search of other teachers. Justin studied with the Pythagoreans. He then studied with the followers of Aristotle, before turning to the followers of Plato. In the teachings of Plato, Justin finally felt like he was coming to an understanding of God. Although they did not put it in these terms, Platonists might have agreed that the human soul was made in God's image. The Platonists understood that the supreme being was beyond everything, even beyond names. And yet, they also called that being Father. One day, Justin had traveled to a place in the wilderness to engage in platonic contemplation of God. Justin had found a nice, private, quiet spot far away from everyone. And that was when he ran into the old man. An old man wandered into Justin's campsite, explaining that he was uh, meeting some friends, which was a weird thing to say in the middle of nowhere. But then the old man asked Justin what he was doing out there, and Justin was too much of a philosopher not to explain the whole thing. Justin spoke of the great philosophers, and the man agreed that they should be read and understood. But was Justin aware 
that there was another way to understand the nature of God. The old man began to tell Justin about the prophets. Justin and the philosophers were right that human reason showed that God is so far above us that there is no reason to think he pays us the slightest attention. But what if, against all odds, he does? What if God had a history of interacting with human beings, sending prophet after prophet to make himself known? As Justin listened to the old man, he had to admit that this was a possibility. After the conversation, the strange old man was nowhere to be found. And maybe his strange appearance and disappearance was what made Justin follow up on his story and discover that the prophets had led to something even greater in the time of Justin's own grandparents, the Word made flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. As Justin read, he realized that this was the wisdom he had been searching for his whole life. Justin became a Christian. But Justin remained a philosopher. Socrates had followed where faith and reason led him. Justin was doing the same. And as Justin thought about Socrates, he came to think that Socrates had known the word too, in a darkened manner. Now, what had once been the secret of the philosophers was available to everyone. In Christ, who was partially known even by Socrates, for he was and is the Word who is in every man, not only philosophers and scholars believed, but also artisans and people entirely uneducated, despising both glory and fear and death. And then Justin realized what he was going to do with his life. He was going to do philosophy as a Christian. Justin put on the pallium, the philosopher's cloak that marked a man as a philosopher, and he went to Rome. He would open a school of philosophy, Christian philosophy. Justin found himself covering a lot of the basics. Many pagan Romans were genuinely baffled that Christians didn't want to make a small sacrifice to the emperor. Were the Christians atheists who didn't believe in any of the gods? If not, what was the big deal? Were Christians plotting against the emperor? Were they plotting to overthrow Rome and install this kingdom of God they were always talking about? Why were they willing to die for their beliefs? And if Christians didn't fear death, if they thought they were going to a good place, why not kill themselves and get there early? Justin realized he would have to find a way to communicate Christianity to people who knew nothing at all about it. And in his letter to the Emperor Antoninus Pius, that is what Justin set out to do. As it happened, the letter found a receptive reader in the emperor. Antoninus Pius agreed that Christians had been unjustly persecuted and called off the persecution. 
Christians would be punished for crimes, just like everyone else. Otherwise, they would be left alone. Justin tried to formulate his philosophical Christianity in ways that pagans could understand. He emphasized that there was much good in the pagan stories. The ancients had long talked about men for whom death became a pathway to become divine. Asclepius, Hercules, even Bacchus, Bellerophon, Perseus, and the divine twins Castor and Pollux. These stories, Justin thought, had truth in them. They were like ripples in a pond, emanating forward and backward into history from the central truth of the incarnation of God himself in the person of Jesus Christ. As the head of a philosophical school, Justin was expected to defend his views in debate. He soon made an enemy in Crescens, a philosopher of the Cynic school. As the reign of Antoninus Pius gave way to that of Marcus Aurelius, Justin began to feel that his public advocacy for Christianity had put him in danger. Still, he was a philosopher in the tradition of Socrates, and he wasn't going to back down. He had a public debate with Crescens. Crescens tried to show that Christians were atheists. Justin showed how little Crescens had bothered to learn about what Christians actually believed. The Roman Empire's best days were running out. The heir of Antoninus Pius, the Emperor Marcus Aurelius, was interested in philosophy. But he spent much of his reign at war. And as the Roman Empire began to feel less secure, the place of Christians became less secure, too. As the persecutions returned, Justin decided to write another public defense of Christianity. This time, he addressed it to the Senate of Rome, and he told them that if they could find Crescens, Justin would be happy to do a rematch with the Senate as audience. Some said that Crescens, angry at having been humiliated by Justin, plotted to turn Justin's Christianity into a charge against him. Whatever the cause, the attitude to Christians hardened, and Justin found himself hauled before a Roman prefect named Rusticus and told that he had to sacrifice to the emperor. Justin refused. The prefect was surprised to see Justin there in his philosopher's cloak. The prefect hadn't realized that there were educated Christians. And so he decided to examine Justin's views and see whether he couldn't talk this learned man out of becoming a martyr. Justin had spent his life following Socrates into philosophy. Now he, just like Socrates, was able to give an account before the end. The prefect asked Justin whether he had some notion of heaven in his mind. It was a philosophically clumsy question. Justin had spent his life explaining Christianity, and he answered the question. But Justin, the philosopher, couldn't resist first correcting the prefect's theory of knowledge. 
The kingdom of God, Justin explained, was no mere opinion. Justin was quite certain there was such a place. Justin was perfectly certain that the martyrs who had gone before were there in God's kingdom. And now, Justin himself was happy to go and join them. Justin the philosopher would finally have the chance to meet the God he had pursued through philosophy and into faith. Mm-hmm.